Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. Hey, family. My name is Victor, and, hey, and I'm an alcoholic. If you're new, welcome, um, especially if you're, you've only got like less than 90 days, keep, keep coming back. Uh, I hope you, you find something or hear something here you like and that speaks to you. Um, I was born in 1976, but I think that my real life began on August 16, 2010. That's my sobriety date. That was the last, well, I mean, that's when I checked into rehab. I, um, a week prior to that, I had kind of hit my bottom. I, that was, it was a Monday, a week prior to my sobriety date. I was to train someone that I had asked my work to hire because my life was so hard and I needed an assistant or someone to help me do my deal. But, um, I, I was hearing voices. I heard, like, I was, there were, like, three conversations going on at the same time, and, um, and it really ticked me off, because everybody seemed to be ignoring voices, and I was like, can't you hear them? They're just, they're right above my desk. This has got to be some sort of practical joke, and I, I felt really kind of insulted and just, like, really hurt that they would do this to me, and, um... So what did I do? I left in the middle of a work day. I, I disappeared. I and like, what was really interesting is like, even though I was blocks away, I could hear my coworkers conspiring to come get me. So what I decided to do is, and I don't know why I did this, but I had a change of clothes that day in my backpack. So I would go in and out of like downtown San Francisco, drunk, you know, getting into like cafe or restaurant bathrooms, change my clothes, running around. Because what I was trying to do is, like, I was trying to auto-terminate. I, um, I had made a conscious choice because I was like, this has never happened to me before. I've never heard voices prior to that, to that day. I mean, like, I had a really long and interesting weekend thanks to this disease. And so I didn't know if I was broken, and I didn't know if I would ever get, if I would ever get fixed. So... Um, I thought the, the logical solution would be the Golden Gate Bridge. It was um, practical and affordable. And um, I, I, was, I was trying to find a way to get down there. I mean, like, uh, but because thank God for, a, for that paranoia and delusion, because like that, I didn't just hop into a cab right away. You know, I didn't just, I didn't, it was a lot harder to get there than it could have been. And I'm really thankful for that. I ended up in Yerba Buena Gardens, tuckered out, and just really, like, I, I mean, like, at the beginning of that day, I was like an angry, feral cat. But throughout that day, I had a lot of water splashed on my face, you know, it's like, it really kind of calmed me down. And um, what ended up happening was I was on a bench in Yerba Buena Gardens, and I was like, God, I, just give me, I will turn myself into the first person that I trust. And when I didn't, you know, at that point I didn't know what else to do and I was kind of tired and I was still kind of on the fence about whether or not I should go to the Golden Gate Bridge. So what I ended up doing was I decided I'd go see a movie. 
So, and then after the movie, I, I'd be in a better position and the voices might, you know, be less loud or whatever. But on the way up to the movie theater, there is this really hot guy in the elevator and he looked like Johnny Depp. And a blonde version of Johnny Depp. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm insecure. I want to feel good one last time. You know, this could be my last night on earth. So I hit on this person and they responded back and I wasn't really I wasn't really sure what to do at that point because I was like I was in no position to do what I was what I had you know proposed to do with that person <laughs> so what I ended up saying was dude look I, I just gotta tell you right now uh, I've been up for several nights um, I've been drinking and doing some other stuff the police may be after me um, I'm hearing about five different voices right now and and you know and then I you know I, I might have rambled on some other things and the complete miracle was that person looked me in the eyes and they said you know I've got the next couple days off why don't you come home with me and I'll take care of you that was a miracle because yeah that was just a miracle they did take care of me they nursed me back to health for a couple days and um you know, by, by that time, the voices had settled down to, like, a murmur in the background, and I was able to, like, get some kind of, like, oh, my God, I've been missing in action for three days. I've got to text my family, my friends, my roommates, my coworkers. And so I sent out a text message, and, and then um, three days later, I was, in, I, was in, I was in rehab. And one of the first things that I heard in rehab was um, a member of the REMS came to me, or I was, was speaking... And I heard what they said, like, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And if they had said, if I had heard that at any other time in my life, I would have just been, I wouldn't have gotten it. Um, like I said, I was born in 1976. Before I was walking, I, I remember crawling and I was able to crawl up to the medicine cabinet, open up the, the jars and check out what was inside. When I learned to speak, and this is before I came to this country, so I was less than like five years old, I was able to bargain with uh, the woman who was, who was um, tasked to take care of me. I was able to bargain with her. I had like a really bad fever, and my, my family told her to go get medicine. And I went with her, and I, I was like, you know what? Dude, this is going to be between you and me. I don't need that medicine. Just get me those M&Ms over there, and I will get better on my own. Right? So this is like before... This is before I came... Like, this is before I was five years old. Um, when I came here, like, I would find... Like, this is when I was about five years or six years old. I would find cigarette butts in the, in, on the ground, light them, and smoke them at, like, five. And then my grandmother's boyfriend at the time offered to let me smoke a real cigarette, and I finished his whole pack. And then, um, you know, so this is the type of behavior that I was in, in, exhibiting at a young age. Like, um, a friend at fourth grade offered me acid. I thought it was a candy, and it was not. And, uh, you know, it's like, I'm just mentioning this type of behavior so you'll get an idea. Like, this gave me, like, a false sense of security when it actually came time for me to, to pick, up the, pick up the bottle and start drinking. I thought that I had, like, I, I knew my deal. And I thought that my previous experiences, you know, kind of, like, put me in a good position, right? 
So, you know, being the type of alcoholic I am, because I think I know everything, I would go to the bar and pre-order my drinks and figure out exactly how much I needed to be able to stumble out of there, find a cab, get in the cab, get home, go, you know, go up the stairs, lock the door behind me, you know, run into my room and close the door behind me, pass out. And I thought that, and I was hoping that that was the end of the night. And that wasn't. And that, I mean, and, and that was like a daily occurrence, you know, it was just like, okay, this is the, I didn't understand that it was, it was never, I mean, I always pushed it to like, next week, I'm going to get better, or tomorrow, I'm going to get better, and I always said that, I, I mean, and like, my friends started asking me, like, you know, what's going on, and I, I actually had someone that I thought that I really cared about, a friend from high school, um, from college that I made, someone that I knew for like a decade, they confronted me about my behavior, and I was like, wow, they, they basically gave me an ultimatum, it was like, change my behavior, or I couldn't be their friend anymore. And I was like, wow, you're dumping me? I mean, that's how it felt. I mean, like, I couldn't extricate. I couldn't un... I, I thought I was my behavior. I didn't see any way to not be an addict or an alcoholic, you know? I was just like, what? You want me to give this up? I mean, like, that's like chopping off my arms. So, yeah. So that... It took a miracle for me to get here, and one of the reasons why I stayed was this woman who would come to my rehab like weekly. She would come in and to to a meeting, an H and I meeting there, and she um, kept saying, talking to me about these things called the promises. She kept saying the promises really do come true, and I didn't know what the hell she was talking about, but I knew that she was happy, and I knew that she had something that I wanted. And she eventually became my temporary sponsor, and she eventually got me to find. Like, my, my male, like, my sponsor, who actually led me through the steps. Um, I found that steps one, two, three were all about, like, getting me to a place of, like, acceptance and surrender. And steps, like, four and beyond got me to a place of transformation. Like, I got, I got something out of this deal that I wasn't expecting. I, I really didn't. I, I mean, like, I would have just settled for the consequences to just stop happening. And I would have settled for not being, like, a fiend for alcohol or other things. But, like, the things that are happening in my life, I've got, I've got support that I never had before. I, I've got, like, a new way of behaving that, that is becoming more and more natural to me. Um, on a daily basis as, as, I, as I work the steps. And I've got people in these rooms that I can call for sanity, that I can, that I can look to as an example um, for, for behavior, for how to get through shit in life. So my name is Victor, and I'm a great alcoholic. Thank you. All right. Now I'd like to turn uh, the meeting over to tonight's speaker, Amy. How to write this in. All right, everybody. My name is Amy. I'm an alcoholic. And I literally got asked to speak like two minutes before the meeting started, so I'm a little bit in shock right now. Uh, I might, I might. I don't think it'll be that dramatic, but um, I hope I say something good. Um, if I do, it won't be, be of my own doing. To all of you who are new, welcome. Um, definitely keep coming back. It's um, this program has changed my life for the better, and I I can't say that enough. Um, I guess I have a long time to talk, so I'll start at the beginning. Um, 
I was basically raised in Humboldt County. Um, my parents divorced when I was really young, and um, and let's see how did it go? Um, my mom remarried when I like a year within a year of um, my parents' divorce, and my dad got in a car accident, which rendered him a quadriplegic. Um, and I was like four when that happened. Um, so I um, I was a really like introverted, weird little kid, and um, I liked to play outside a lot. And I had one friend, and it was always like me and one other person, and that's it. If there was other like little girls or little boys, I'd like I, I'd beat them up. I had one friend. Levi. <laughs> 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 And we were like total bros. We would, um, he lived in this old, like, um, church. We lived on like this real, like super rural, like crazy. You go out a dirt road for like a couple miles, and then there's like this old fucking church that who knows fucking founded it like a billion years ago. He lived in the church, and um, my mom and uh, my siblings and I lived in uh, like another house on the property. And uh, it was um, it was like a really super beautiful place, um, orchards and like the river, and um, it was it was kind of a like magical place. But I was I was really um, you know I was really isolated. I was homeschooled, and um, so you know I had one my one friend. And um, when my mom remarried um, my stepdad, he was a timber faller. So, um, you know, he's a real classy guy. <laughs> Huge move up for my dad, who's a truck driver. Um, but so um, we, we moved around a lot. So basically when I was like seven years old, I left, I left my best friend, my one and only friend, um, and my donkey, Doobie, and, um, and, and moved. And we just sort of moved around, like, my stepdad was basically trying to get me and my um, my mom and my sisters as far away from my dad as possible. Because he was super jealous because he was a big lump of shit and my dad was a badass. So, <laughs> so I didn't really see my dad a whole lot. We lived on like, we lived in like this old fucking ranch house at one point and like, a, like in a trailer on a ranch for a while. Um, I have two older sisters and, um, they basically, they were like, my, my stepdad's piece of shit, so they fucking, they bail. Um, they're five and seven years older than me, so they didn't really have to um, stick around for too much of the, like, super hardcore shitty stuff. Like, they got in fistfights with my stepdad, and, um, like, there was a lot of, like, violence and crazy shit uh, from really super early on. And, um, and I kind of just learned, like, you deal with any, like, my mom would wait until... Um, she was so overwhelmed that she would just explode. And then she would go flying, heads would roll. She used to say, like, I'm gonna give you a fucking knuckle sandwich. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's, both my parents are from New York, so my dad's got like super deep, like Bronx accent. My mom's like, she's awesome, but she's fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> so, um, let's see. Um, I had, 
I had a lot of abandonment issues because I didn't see my dad and my sisters. My two older sisters were like the people that I looked up to the most. My oldest sister was a crazy bitch too. I'm pretty sure she's a sociopath, definitely a narcissist. Um, and she was hypercritical and really fucking mean, like super, super mean. She was just always trying to like tear me down. Um, and my sister that's five years older than me, Rachel, um, was always really, really kind to me and really sweet. And uh, like we'd do art together and, and play. And she basically is like the only reason that I survived my childhood pretty much. Um, so, um, let's see, during the school year, I would live with my mom. I homeschooled and, um, and I would go in the summertime and visit my dad and living in Humboldt County. It was like, okay. So the different, it was like little insular little unit where I didn't see any other people, like literally wouldn't see like another human being that I wasn't related to, like, for months on end. Um, and then um, I'd go and live in Humboldt with my dad, who was, like, total bohemian, didn't have furniture in the house, it was all musical instruments and, like, some pillows on the floor and, like, every kind of fucking freak weirdo that you can imagine coming in and out all the time. Like, just, like, crazy musicians and artists and fucking, like, heroin addicts and, like, people just coming to, like, you know, come down off of whatever or get high on whatever and, like, you know, never really knew, like, what you were going to get, but it was fucking awesome. So, like... The only, the only socializing that I had was like three months out of the year. Um, so I would show up and be super fucking awkward and weird. And I'd have people like hand me joints or cigarettes. Um, from pretty, pretty small. Um, the first time I actually got enough, uh, weed and alcohol in me to get really fucked up, I was 11. And, um, I just, I think my sister and her super good, crazy, <laughs> crazy friend, Ivy, um, had 40s. They came home with 40s one day. And, uh, and Ivy was like, Amy, fucking hit this. And I just turned it, like, just bottoms up it and was, like, chugging it. And my sister had to, like, pull it away. <laughs> and then I was just like, oh, yeah, because Ivy was totally down. So, <laughs> so we went to a party, and I just got completely fucked up. I, like, went up into this room, and there's people doing blow, which I didn't do. Um, I was curious, but I just, like, sat there and smoked a bunch of weed and um, uh, got sent home and had to face my dad, who, even in bed and, or in a wheelchair, is one of the most scary motherfuckers. I swear to God, like, that dude will, like, make people shit their fucking pants. And so I come home, and he's like, Hey, what the fuck? You fucking drunk right now? And I'm like, what? what are you talking about? As I'm like fucking flopping into the wall and like, what? What, Dad? No, I, just reeking of fucking booze. He's like, Go upstairs right fucking now, and I won't see your face anymore tonight. Like just, I was like, yep, you got it. Um, and the next day I was so fucking hungover and so bummed, and I just hear my dad at like eight o'clock in the morning just screaming my name, and I'm just like, fuck. Like my head just felt like a fucking bloated, swollen pumpkin that's been sitting out on the porch for way too long in the hot, hot sun. And, uh, and so he like made me do a bunch of chores and shit, but it, I just didn't care. After that, it was just like, 
okay, woohoo, I'm gonna like, you know, do this as often as I can. I like did acid, did a bunch of shit, like just rapid fire. Um, and each time I did something and I would come down, there was like this numbing effect. It was like, um, like all of that like pain and anguish and anger and bullshit that I felt um, would get kind of like crystallized and condensed to the point where it was like just a shut off valve for any emotion. It was like, oh, I'm kind of happy. Oh, fuck that. That's not going to happen. We're not doing that. Um, and then I would go, you know, I'd, I'd like leave. I, uh, I was molested by my stepdad for quite a few years. And when I finally told my, my parents, um, I was able to stay with my dad for a little bit longer. It was like, um, three months in the summertime and then like three more months or whatever but I was like stealing and just like drinking and he couldn't control me at all like I was just like you know basically just tell him to fuck off and like what the fuck are you gonna do you're in a fucking bed go fuck yourself uh, <laughs> and uh you know so I got sent back to my mom's and you know she convinced me that I had overreacted and that nothing bad had actually happened to me right right and um and so I was, I lived with her and I ended up breaking my back, horseback riding. And uh, I spent six months in bed and a year and a half in a back race. And, um, and then just, I was just in chronic pain and like really fucking irritable. Um, when I got into high school, I, uh, I just, I, I found, I convinced my mother to let me go to high school. Um, my stepdad was like, you know, if she, if she get, oh, that was the other thing. It was really, um, super religious, crazy. Um, and he, he had formally shot up speed. Um, but then with my mom, who just did pounds and pounds of ephedra back when he could actually like get it still in bulk at the health food store. And he'd just make all his own capsules and he'd take like 80 of them a day. And he was just a raving, crazy fucking asshole. He'd go through all of my shit when I was like out. I'd go for like a run or something and he'd have like gone through all my shit, read my journals. Um, I started writing in code. And uh, so that was one of the reasons I started writing poetry is because he couldn't fucking decipher what the hell I was talking about. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> it. Um, so, so, high school, I just, you know, I'd like. And gravitated towards the people that did, had drugs, had access to alcohol, and just did it as often as I possibly could, and I didn't really care. I wasn't fucking sneaky about it at all. I'd go and I'd get completely fucked up. I'd get fucking arrested and um, have, you know, my mom have to come pick me up, like, two hours away from where I was actually supposed to be at a fucking police station. And I just didn't care. I'd get grounded for a couple months at a time and, you know, just lock myself in my bedroom and I was a uh, like, fanatical exerciser and lived out in the middle of nowhere, so there's nothing fucking else to do other than sit on the couch and be a big fat loaf like everybody else that I lived with. So I would just sit in my room and like leave the windows open because they all like the house to be warm, and I would like do the opposite, like leave the windows open and be like fucking ten below in the room. And uh, so um, I went school for two years and then I basically it was just like my mom was like I can't fucking deal with her anymore you take her to my dad so I got bounced back to Humboldt and that was fucking rich because I um I started working at a uh, my dad's like you're not gonna go to school you're gonna fucking get a job you're gonna work hard and uh <laughs> no more of this fucking around bullshit I'm like 
<laughs> so, 16, um, you know, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to make something myself. I'm going to do, like, hard labor. I think he wanted me to, like, pick strawberries out in the field. Just do something, like, back-breaking and really fucking, like, hard and shitty. And um, instead, I ended up getting a job at a restaurant. And uh, I would just, um, after hours, go with the whole, the whole staff over to the bar, the local bar. And... Um, <laughs> because I have two older sisters and we all kind of look alike. The bartenders just thought I was one of my older sisters. So, um, you know, I'd just go in and drink with everybody and get completely fucking smashed. And I did that every fucking night for, like, <sighs> that restaurant only survived, like, six months. And I got fired after four. Um, <laughs> so it was such a fucking dark look. Um, at one point, I had this sore on my leg. Because I, I like I was getting dragged out of the bar one night and like fucking like my I think my dad was there too because he would go out and get fucking fucked up with us. Um, if it was okay if my sisters were there for some reason, like my dad was like, yeah, it's cool. Uh, we're all having fun. It's family bonding time. <laughs> At the blue room, he called it the office. And be like, yeah, we're out of the office after work. Um, and so I like smashed in my fucking leg and. I was like, ah, I like, didn't even look at it for like a couple days, and uh, I think I like slapped a bandaid on it or something. And one day I woke up and my whole fucking leg was throbbing, and there was like big red ring around the bandage that I hadn't even looked at for like a couple days. And uh, I pulled it off, and there's just like big, gummy, gooey, fucking gross-ass green, gnarly thing. And I was like, oh, that's fucking not good. So I go downstairs, and I'm like trying to rinse it out and like you know dab it with a cotton ball and I like move it and all the fucking flesh just falls out of it and like I take a q-tip and I'm like oh my god and it just sinks into my fucking leg <laughs> and uh so I'm just like oh my fucking god like, <laughs> this is some like like bad zombie movie shit <laughs> look fucking real. So I got to my dad, and I'm like, oh, dad, I've got this fucked up sore on my leg. And he's like, oh, let me see. You need to scrub that shit out. All right, get some gauze and put some of this. And I'm like scrubbing it. I'm like, it's getting deeper. And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> he's like, you got to go to the emergency room. So I like limped my ass down. He lives really close to the hospital. So I limped my ass down to the really bad fucking hospital. And... um uh, it was like super infected and they thought maybe I had gangrene and I was going to have to have my fucking leg amputated and they were like doing blood tests and shit and um, it ended up being fine but I got fucking hit on by the grievously fucking doctor and uh, it was just so fucking weird at that point in my life too I just felt like um, like I didn't have any worth or value other than like being a toy for someone so it was like oh the doctor too and then you know whatever person or like this person that's like my older brother but you know whatever it was like you know just sick and fucking weird so my head was totally fucked up in that way too like I just like people would tell me that they love me or they cared about me but it was always with like an ulterior motive and always like malicious weird intent and um so I just started fucking hating people that would say that shit to me and I'd actually, like, get in fistfights with people, like, scream at my mom and, like, you know. Um, it's just really fucking ugly. Um, and I had little moments of, of being dry here and there. Um, after, like, some crazy shit, I went, my dad was, like, gonna die. And he wanted to go to Mexico and get in the fucking ocean one last time. So he was super, super sick. His body was just, like, rejecting him. 
And um, so I went down to Mexico with them, and just like some really fucking major fucked up shit happened down there. And um, afterwards, he was like, I can't deal with her, and like sent, sent me back to my mom's. And um, at that point, I had been just drinking and doing any drug I could get my hands on. Um, for, you know, it was like, it wasn't that long, it was like six months, but it was like all day, every day kind of thing. And um, so when I got sent back to my mom's, I was just completely dry. And it was so fucking gnarly. I was just like a rageaholic and um, like breaking shit, like taking my little brother by the fucking hair and smash his face into the fucking wall. Like, he was a real asshole, but he definitely, <laughs> he didn't deserve that necessarily. Um, but so, um, I like at one point too, like took a base, an aluminum baseball bat and was just kind of fucking like crack my fucking stepdad over the head with it. He, he had liver cirrhosis and he was like, his whole body turned gray. Um, we called him the Silver Surfer. And I was just praying for that motherfucker to die. Um, which he did. <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see. I, when I was 19, I got together with this dude that was just like, basically just have really good ends with um, lots of people that did drugs and dealt drugs and um, I didn't have a, a real job up until like two years ago so I just I just trimmed weed and grew weed and sold weed and shit and um, you know it's the only market up there um, so it, you know I was with this dude and it was really fucking gross fucked up relationship for like three and a half years we just like beat the shit out of each other and did a lot of blow and any, anything else like lots of psychedelics um drank a lot and then um I didn't have any relationship with my family at all I got in huge blow up fights with the one sister that I like beat up both my sisters within like a six month period got a DUI um and uh and then it was just estranged from my whole family for like three and a half years um and finally like you know like sobered up enough to be able to see that that relationship was totally fucked and that I missed my family and people that I actually cared about. Um, and uh, was able to like be extracted from, from that relationship with the help of my sister. Um, and then I moved back to Santa Cruz. I lived down there at one point and um, I finished up my associate's degree, and um, and I was I'd gotten into another relationship, just piggybacked off the old one, and uh, and that one was kind of a repeat of the same. Um, it was a dude that was had been a friend I'd known him for a long time, but he was super sick, alcoholic, and I was totally fucked up, and we were just it was just vicious and toxic. Um, and so I got accepted to Cal, which I did not fucking think would ever happen. And um, I was really convinced that um, that it was a mistake for like the entire sem like first semester. And actually the first year kind of, I was just like, this is total bullshit. I'm like, I, I don't know like who, who dropped this one into the basket of yes, because obviously I'm retarded and I fucking shouldn't be at this place. Um, and, uh, I kind of, 
I kind of had thought that when I moved that it would be like, you know, fresh start and, um, you know, I could just kind of leave, like, I broke up with my boyfriend, um, and moved over to the East Bay and I had like no friends and I felt like I had been in therapy for a little while and for like actually a long while, it was like a year and a half. And, um, she had been trying to get me to go to AA for so long. And I just remembered like when I was 11, I got dragged to an NA meeting up in Humboldt and it was so fucking shitty and depressing. And I just remember being like, oh my God, like I can't ever fucking do that shit again. Like that was, it was just boring too. It was like old, dank, smelly church and I fucking hated church because I got dragged. Um, like every fucking Sunday. And I just fucking hated it. I had God shoved down my throat. Like big, maniacal, angry, mean, fucked up God. A God that like my stepdad is definitely fucked up. Um, so I was, had, had a big resentment towards God. Remember actually when I was 13, I took a shit ton of acid and, um, came home and told my mom that she was full of shit, that I had seen the light and it was actually a fucking big abyss and I'd been lied to for my whole fucking life and I hated her and she could take Jesus and shove him up her fucking ass. Um, and so it was basically, it was just like that, um, for, from then on, like, I just, I really literally fucking hated God, and I, like, studied, like, witchcraft and magic and shit a bit, and I would have really fucking crazy, weird, fucked up dreams, and I had, you know, just, like, weird, I was just fucking with my fucking, um, neurochemistry way too much, too, psychedelics, so I started getting real fucking weird, um, (laughs) weirder, and, uh, when I... So when I moved over here, I, like, got a real job, and I had one friend that I'd known from Humboldt, and, um, but I just, I was, like, fucking crawling out of my skin. I couldn't go home. I couldn't fucking talk to people that I had known my whole life. I felt like a total stranger all alone, and, uh, I just always had this image of, like, a big black sea and, like, a big black, like, starless night and like one little fucking crappy boat and I'm in the little crappy boat by myself and there's nothing but fucking sharks and dragons and crazy shit under the surface and um and that was like the reoccurring just like feeling that I had and I, and I didn't think that, that was ever going to change and I told my therapist over and over again um you know I just think that I'm bound I'm doomed to walk the fucking earth alone like um people are fucking really toxic and if they're not toxic i am like i you know i treat people like shit i use them for what i can get out of them and then i and then i bail um and that really was like the the history of my relationships is you know i get really close to someone it was always with sort of like this twisted um twisted intentions it was like either like a sick codependency or they had drugs, or they had money, or they had something that I wanted or needed, and, um, and I always knew in the back of my head, like, this isn't fucking real, I don't give a shit about this person, um, and I have, like, tons of journals just writing that kind of shit, just, like, really super ugly, um, and, uh, like, really manipulative, and so, um, you know, my, uh, my therapist, you know, recommended AA pretty early on. She was like, huh, so you started doing drugs and drinking a lot. Have you ever considered the fact that you might be a alcoholic? 
She's like, you're fucking crazy. I've been abused. I've had a shitty fucking life. Crappy fucking crazy fucking people around me. <laughs> like, drugs and alcohol are the only thing that's good. That's, like, the only... Like, you gotta be insane. Like, don't I have something cool like schizophrenia or, like, <laughs> anything? Anything other than just a normal, regular fucking lame person? <laughs> um... But no, apparently not. So, um, let's see. I stalked AA for a while. I uh, went online, I did research. I took the little test. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, like, the first, like, 20 in a row. Like, after the first five, I was like, oh, yeah, totally, yeah. Uh-huh, um, okay. Mm-hmm. It was basically, like, all of them. I just checked off, and I'm like, well, everybody in fucking Humble does that. Like, shit, like, not by a long shot, I'm not the worst one. Jesus. Uh, so I was like, you know, this is this has got to be fucking flawed. And my, and my sister Rachel is fucking awesome. She's really, like, super smart. And, um, you know, she would tell me about how I definitely was just young and, like, learning shit. And, um... You know, I'm just figuring it out. I'm just figuring out this life game. And I was like, okay. Yeah, but you've been giving me the same fucking pep talk since I was, like, 14. So, like, 12 years later, like, what are we doing? Um, it's starting to get a little weird. Um, and that was kind of just how everybody saw it, though. It was like, um, I had a really good friend down here. Uh, was the same way. She, she's like... I don't think you have a problem with alcohol. You just need to stop doing so much drugs. Like, the drugs are really bad for you, but you drink like a little bit. I'm like, no, I can't drink a little bit. Like, what's the fucking point of drinking a little bit? And what does that even mean? Like, one or two bottles of that? <laughs> I definitely did the, like, switch from spirits to, um, to wine and, like, not drinking was just drinking, like, a six-pack of fucking Devel or something. It's not... Not a big deal, it's beer. Um, and uh, so by the time, let's see. Oh, I was, um, when I first moved here, I, I was doing a bit of modeling in San Fran, and I had like some friends that were clothing designers in the city, and um, so I'd drive over there a bit, and, um, and I started like going to parties, and it was just like super cliche. But I'd go to like model parties, and we'd do a bunch of blow and drink champagne and sit around and like posture, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and you'd try to like talk to someone, and they'd be like, "What are you talking about? Like, Why are you talking to me right now?" I don't use words. <laughs> And so, yeah, I was doing that a bit, and um, one day I just, like, I came home, I got, I got dropped off at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning or something, I hadn't slept, still wearing a fucking tutu from the night before, <laughs> and, um, and I, like, got home, and I, like, sat down on my floor in my room, and it was just fucking trashed, like, no shelves, no, like, you know, sort of the closet, but, like, basically just everything on the floor and, like, bed unmade. Um, I think I was still sitting on an air mattress at the time, too. Uh, 
So my shit was just fucking wrecked. And I come and I sit down, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is who I am. Like, still fucking, like, no, like, no real purpose. I'm going to Cal, but why? Like, for fucking, like, personal, like, betterment? Like, so I can be, like, you know as well-read as my elder sister or something. Like, that was the other thing, too. Like, she's really fucking smart, really beautiful, and, like, always been very grounded and, like, <laughs> really crazy manipulative, too. Um, and always was able to just pull so much wool over both my parents' eyes. Um, and I never really had that skill. But So I was always trying to, like, attain this this level that, um, you know, she was, she was, like, the best, and I was just a fucking royal fuck-up. But she was, you know, she was, like, always trying to, like, kind of coach me. But I was just a fucking wingnut. Like, they they call me a fucking the beast or <laughs> Because I was just fucking pulling a china shop. Like, um, it's fucking crazy. Um, but, uh, so, what the fuck was the point of that tangent? <laughs> I, uh, so I saw KA for a while, and, um, Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sitting in my tutu on my floor in my wrecked bedroom. And, uh, and I was coming down off a lot of fucking blow, and I, like, I would have this at times where I would, like, um, start hallucinating cartoons, but they were, like, really demented little cartoons, like, little square, chubby little midget things that would, like, come over each other and, like, whack each other's heads off with axes and, like, pick up the heads and throw them in a wheelbarrow and come over and, like, dump them out and, like, dump them back onto the head, the necks of the little dudes and, like, do it all over again. And, uh, and it was just, like, weird, creepy shit like that, like, part duck, part other shit, like, just weird. And, uh, and I was sitting there, like, watching this shit, like, you know, like, every, like, like orifice in my face is draining, and I was just like, you know, this is fucked. Like, I don't think, like, um... It was it was so intense and gnarly and, and like I just felt like I had um, wandered that down that road so many fucking times um, that I was just I was like I couldn't fucking believe it really it's like um, you know what what the fuck is the point of this like I really um, I don't I don't want to be alive and I hadn't want you know that. That had kind of been a thing for a long time too. I was super suicidal and, um, and just hated myself for so long. Um, and that came back, and it was always that like it was just like this really fucking cold, icy sensation. It was like a fucking iceberg down my fucking throat, in like just all the way through me. And um, and I was sitting there just like. I have to go to a fucking AA meeting. That was the one last thing, like, that my therapist, um, had said to me, and, um, and so I went to a really shitty meeting in, in Berkeley, and, um, and it was exactly like that NA meeting that I went to when I was 11, and I was just like, fucking knew it! I'm gonna hang out with fucking Quasimodo and this fucking crazy bitch, and have to do for themselves, and I can't be fucking right. But I had, um, somebody had told me, um, that this woman that I totally admired, like, really fucking smart and, like, really successful and beautiful and just rad, just rad fucking person, was sober, and I was like, um, that had been stored away in the back of my mind. And so after I got home from that meeting and just, um, I was totally, totally bummed, I was like, okay, I'm gonna text her and 
um, you know, just with the like small, tiny little hope that there is something more than that crappy experience. And uh, so she came and got me the next day. Well, she sent me like a four text long response and um, was just like, you know, this is like, she's like, just be super fucking kind to yourself. This is a really hard time. And, um, you know, you're really courageous and really brave. And um, this is the first step, like, you know, you can do this. And uh, she took me to my first good meeting, which was the 9 a.m. at Rockridge. And um, after, like, I sat in her car afterwards and just dumped my story in her lap, and we both, and she gave me her, shared hers, and uh, we just cried in her car for, like, two hours. And, um, and it was, like, my first experience with, like, um, somebody being, like, compassionate with me, and I, and me actually feeling like, um, like it was sincere and real, and, um, and that really, like, I was excited by that, it was like, okay, I can, I can get, I can get, like, you know, grab onto this, and, um, she just took me around, brought me to tons of meetings, and, um, I was able to get a sponsor, I sponsor bounced for a little while, until I, uh, finally found the right one, but, um, I, I don't know, I, like, I, I kept coming back because the alternative was really fucking lame, I knew that fucking story, I lived it and told it so many fucking times, and, um, I figured, you know, I'm already fucking so isolated, um, and I don't have anybody around me anyway, I can't go home, I can't fucking, you know, like, what, what the fuck, might as well, like, try this, like, this new thing that's mysterious, it's scary because it's uncertain, but, um, at least, at least it is uncertain. It's not like this fucking crappy thing that I know. Um, and so, um, I was able, at first I was really fucking intimidated and scared of people, and, um, and I would, like, rush out of meetings immediately, and, um, I was able to, um, <laughs> one person, like, reached out to me at one point, um, and, uh, like, they made AA fun. Like, we went out and fellowshiped after meetings and, um, went and, like, played, and suddenly it was, like, a fun thing, you know, like, being sober didn't have to be fucking shitty and dour and all serious and lame. And, um, and, I don't know, it just, like, my... Sobriety date is May 17th, 2011, and, um, you know, I'm gonna have, like, 11 months and a couple weeks, and I just don't even fucking know how the hell that's possible. How, like, everything, every stick of furniture that I own isn't burned, and how my car hasn't fucking been beat to death in baseball bat, because I'm such a fucking rageaholic, um, and I'm not. Like, I'm actually, like, really fucking super happy, and, um... For the most part, you know, I definitely have my ups and downs, but for the most part, I'm, like, pretty, like, fucking stoked on life. I'm, like, really grateful that I get to go to Cal and really fucking happy that I have, um, a, like, loving, supporting, supportive dad and, uh, and a really good relationship with my older sister where I don't feel like I'm competing with her. And, um, and then just the friends that I have in my life now, too, I feel like are, like, sincere and true and real and I know that I can rely on them and I know that they can rely on me which is really fucking important um, 
<laughs> and uh, I know that I can rely on myself too, which is pretty trippy. Um, and so I'm just, I don't know, I'm excited to see kind of just like the more time that I accrue, the more I just see that things get like more beautiful, like I'm more prolific uh, with my art and um, I actually retain the shit that I read. And, um, you know, it's not like one semester passes and I forget fucking everything and I have to like relearn how to write a fucking essay the next, you know? Um, so my life is, uh, it's really blessed and, um, and I'm able to see that now. And um, yeah, I'm just really, really grateful that, uh, that I get to be here and I get to be part of this program. So thank you all for being here. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.